God. I'm so excited to be here today because I believe that God has a relevant word for you. Doesn't matter how you came through those doors, you're not going to leave the same. Doesn't matter what Satan's working against your life, what God is doing is greater. Let me rephrase, that's a lie, theologically not sound. What God has already done is greater. The moment you can get the revelation that Satan is playing catch up, you already got the victory. You already got the victory. He's forever behind the eight ball. He's always a day late and $2 short because God's already done it. And that sounds cliche until you walk in the power of God and you realize that the scripture tells us he's already given us everything we need for godly living. Everything you would need, God has provided it and he's given it to you. You know, I want to start a new series today, one that is, is it's, it's interesting I want to preface this by saying I don't want to strike fear in your heart. That is not my concern. That is not my desire. And I want to preach to you this new series entitled, somebody say, The End. I thought long and hard how to name this series, and I said, I'm just gonna, we're just going to call it The End. And I want to take the next few weeks, and I want to look at what the Scripture says about the end times. I want to look at it from a number of different angles. The first one being what the Word of God says the world will look like in the end times. What the Word of God says the church will look like in the end times. And then I want to spend a couple of weeks on what our response to this should be. Because naturally, there should be a response from a believer when you see the sign. If you are headed somewhere and you see a stop sign, you have to have a response to the sign or the cop hiding behind the Dunkin' Donuts is going to catch you. For any police officers here, I apologize. Just a little pastor humor here. And I don't know about you, but growing up, me and the end times didn't get along so well. I want to I test your level of Pentecostalness here. In this. You ever have one of those moments you knew Jesus had come and you got left behind? You knew that it, the rapture just happened. Maybe it's weird sound, and you were like, oh, was that the trumpet? <laughs> and what you start doing, I'm going to make y'all laugh, you start looking for babies. <laughs> you're in the store, you're looking for a kid. Where's he at? Oh, a baby. I'm safe because the Bible, my parents taught me babies are going, so I'm good. I'm good. And then if you can't find the baby, forget it. You're in the middle of Bradley's back then running to the baby section. Is there a kid here? What's your name? How old are you? You're young enough. Okay, I'm safe. The laughing is the guilt that is true. My parents, had, you know, a series of movies that had come out in the time, uh, the Left Behind series, or different rapture movies, and, and I'm all for those things. Some of them are fantastic, but... What they would do is, is they would leave the clothes nice and folded. All the pennies in your pockets were stacked up nice and neat. Because the, the thought process was if Jesus came back, he's not going to leave your stuff in disorder. And so I would come home, and my parents would leave their clothes stacked up on the steps. My mom's on the couch. They'd be hiding in the closet. Freaking us out, looking all over the house like, where's mom and dad? Oh, my God. Open the closet like jerks. Close the closet back. I, I can't stand you. I hate you guys. I'm running away. But that's the extent sometimes of what our understanding of end times is. And here's the truth of the matter. Here's the truth of the matter. That sometimes when you think of the end times, you get scared. You get afraid. And there's two reasons because of that. The first one is because you don't know if you're ready. 
You're saying, oh my God, I don't even know if I'm ready. Will I go in the rapture if Jesus came back? Will I go? The other one, you say, well, it's not that I know I'm not ready. I just want to live my life. I want to I see my kids grow up. And we use that. And when you say stuff like that, oftentimes it really is because you're afraid, because you know you're not ready. And then sometimes it's just the upbringing you have that has struck fear in your heart for a thing that should be joyous for the believer. And I don't know if you know this, but we're living in what the Bible would call the last days. And I know that it sounds cliche and it sounds almost ridiculous because we've heard it since we were kids. We've heard it since we were kids. And I want to talk to you from Scripture today about what the Word of God says. Vinny, if you can give me a little bit less. What the Word of God says the actual world will look like during the time where Jesus will come and rapture the church. Now, in case you don't know what the rapture is, the rapture is the Christian doctrine and belief that the Bible speaks in numerous places that Jesus will return for his bride. He will return for the church, and at the beginning, or rather at the time of the rapture, it will start a seven-year clock called the Great Tribulation. Some people ascribe to a, a post-tribulation rapture, meaning after. Some start a believe, rather, in a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning that it will happen before the tribulation starts. And some people teach that the rapture will happen in the middle of the tribulation. And I'll look at scripture today and I will show you that this is a church and you don't have to agree with me. It's not a salvation doctrine. You won't go to heaven or hell if you believe different in this area. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because God always takes the remnant out. And some people, let me dispel this lie. Some people say that you'll have to go through the great tribulation as a believer so that you will be tested, tried, and made true. The Bible says that he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. So you will have to endure in order to become without spot or wrinkle. And that's a fallacy and a false doctrine. And here's why. Because Jesus makes me without spot or wrinkle. Not what I go through, not what I endure. It is solely by the cross. And so I want to talk to you and read you a scripture on what Jesus says the world would look like. I'm in Matthew 24, verse 36. What the world will look like in the end times. And my prayer is today that you don't leave freaked out, but that you'll leave ready to endure what God has for you. Amen? Ready to see and to go where God has for you. Matthew 24, verse 36. But about that day... Or our, meaning of the rapture, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day nor the hour the Lord will come. Come on, bow your heads right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's already blessed. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask you to speak to our hearts today, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor, how do you know we're living in the last days? You ever wondered how do people know? Here's the benchmark of what scholars and theologians will tell you. You can know that you're living in the last days. If the Bible prophecies in the scriptures are coming true at a more rapid pace. 
I want to give you a number of just really quick, a number of just different prophecies that we've seen come to pass even in our days and some of the days before us. Maybe some of you older folks, we'll just say more seasoned people, uh, have seen some of these happen in your times. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, you don't got to turn there. God says this to Daniel, that in the last days people will travel more and that knowledge will abound. Did you know that 90% of all the engineers and all the scientists who ever lived, lived in the last 30 years? 90% of all that have ever lived in the world have lived in our generation. That's a prophecy coming true. Wisdom and knowledge is abounding. Ever since the, the advent of the internet, it used to be that every, I think it was every 10 years, knowledge would double. Now we're at a place where every day knowledge is doubling. It's out there. It's an end time prophecy. You're with me today. One of the biggest ones, and it's, it's talked about in Amos 9, verse 11 and 13, is the restoration of Israel as a nation. And in 1948, out of nowhere, Israel became a nation again, and millions of Jews from all over the world returned to their homeland, reestablishing Israel as a sovereign state. That is a major end-time prophecy for God to bring forth many things. A really weird one. In order to dedicate a temple... A Jewish temple, in order to do this, you would have to have a red heifer. That is a red cow. That's an extremely rare cow, extremely rare. Had to be without spot, without blemish, without no problems in it, no sickness, no infirmities. And, and the reason is because the Bible speaks that in the end times they will rebuild the temple. We haven't seen that yet. They will rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But in order to do so, they need a red heifer. All right? Not a big deal. Until 1997, one was born. The first one recorded in over 2,000 years. And then in 2002, another joker was born, a red heifer. We are getting closer and closer to seeing God return for his church. Another major prophecy in Zephaniah 3, verse 10 and 11, is that the fact that the, Israel, the Israelite Jews that are living in Ethiopia will return to Israel. And we saw that, in, I believe it was called Operation Moses, where 15,000 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted, and then a few years later, 20,000 more were taken out of Ethiopia and into Israel itself. Revelations 11, 3 and 7, 10 both prophesied there would be the ability to communicate instantly across the globe. Something thought to be crazy in the time it was said, but we see now through text message, FaceTime, email, it is possible in our generation. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation the 200 million man army, which was not in existence until 1960 in China. They have numbered their army in excess of 200 million people. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 there would be wars, rumors of wars, famines, and earthquakes. We're seeing the famines. We're seeing people die of starvation. We're seeing the earthquake in Japan, the earthquake in India, the earthquake in Nepal. We're seeing things happen at a faster rate. And the Bible calls it the, the birthing pains. That even the earth is an eager, Romans chapter 8, expectation of the return of the sons of God to stand up in this generation a really crazy one, Isaiah 41, 18 and 20. He prophesied, this is really weird, that trees would grow in Israel. Because Israel was a barren land. But after the 1900s, when Israel took their country back, they began to irrigate the land. They began to bring water all to the land. And ever since 1948, over 200 million trees have been recorded to have been planted in Israel. 
An end time prophecy was that people would enjoy the fruits of Israel's fields, which they've never had. They've always been a desolate land. But in the last 50 to 60 years, Israel's produce has just exploded because they've irrigated the land. They brought water to the desert places. That is a prophecy that is being fulfilled in our day, in our generation. Countless prophecies in 2 Timothy 3 and also Matthew 24 state that the world's condition and the church's condition would be ungodly and immoral. And Jesus said this, he said that on the day of the rapture, which I believe that it will be before the tribulation, on the day of the rapture, it will come without warning. No man knows the day, no man knows the time. None. So if you hear someone say, I think he's coming this day, I think he's coming that day, we automatically know you're a liar. Because Jesus said, no man knows the hour and no man knows the day. And he said, it'll be like in the days of Noah. People were drinking, marrying, eating, and giving in marriage. He says, it'll be like in the days of of Noah. What were the days of Noah like? Let, let, me, let me give you a glimpse. Genesis 6, chapter 5. And the Lord saw that wickedness of the man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the, his thoughts and of his heart were only continually evil. In other words, God looks upon the earth. He sees the fact that mankind is completely immoral. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it talks about how mankind is multiplying. And then where he says here, he says here in verse 6, Verse 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great. This word was great is related to the word multiply. And it means this, that as man multiplied in numbers, evil multiplied. That as man multiplied, that, that immorality multiplied. Every thought of the heart, meaning everything in him was evil. Nothing was good. It grieved God, the Bible says, that he had made man and they turned out this way. Here's point number one for you today. Here's a number one sign you know the end times are about, you, about us. Number one sign, immorality will be the norm. Immorality will be the norm. And the good news is, is that we're not completely there yet. There are still people who don't know God who are good people. But immorality is spreading like wildfire. Man would abandon everything that God had told him to do. Man would abandon everything that God had put in place, all the rules, all the laws that God put. Man would abandon them. This is Jesus talking. It'll be like in the days of Noah. If you want to know the condition of the world in the end times, look at the days of Noah where everyone was too busy to hear God. People were immoral and people were wicked. You need to realize that a big sign of the end times is that immorality and sin would increase. If you want to know what immorality is, it is the inability to live morally, morally being God's standard. It is the inability of man to live in the standards of God. Immorality. He says immorality will be the normal thing. One doesn't have to look far to realize we're seeing that right now. You can't turn your television on without being sex, without being cursing. You're hearing cursing on the radio now. Pornography is a $14.3 billion business in America. 
55 million plus babies have been aborted in America. Immorality is here and it is growing and multiplying as the population multiplies. Are you here with me, church? You can't even find a good movie to watch these days. Schools are being taught all types of things to our children that 30 years ago would have been unheard of. Kids, 9 and 10 and 12 years old, exposed to drugs, pornography, sex, and alcohol. Immorality. Parents unable to even raise their own children because they're so immoral themselves. Are you here with me, church? We must realize and consider that a sign of the end times is the acceptance of immorality. Let me put it like this. The acceptance of sin as okay. Not by the church, but by the world. You see, even when you're not saved, there's a certain sense of morality that you know right from wrong. Natural from unnatural. You know that. We're just talking about the world today. Next week, we'll talk about the condition of the church. The world will be full of immorality. Romans 1 talks about this. Paul writes that although the evidence of God was everywhere, no one wants to listen or obey God. Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. In other words, we see through creation the fine-tuning of the universe, the intricacies of the human body, the beauty of our entire makeup. We know there's a creator. There's no other explanation. It is not evolution that has been proven to be wrong. It is only a creator. It is only a higher power. It is only God. And he says here that although we see this, they will neither, they will rather, they'll be without excuse to not have worshiped God. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds and animals and reptiles. He goes on to say they gave up natural affections for unnatural affections. They began to be turned over to their own lustful desires. We see it today. We see it with the alternative lifestyle taking center stage everywhere in America. It's all about the lifestyle. There's nothing else to talk about but a gay marriage. There's nothing else to talk about, apparently. Immorality will abound. I'm not mad at the world for falling in place with what God said would happen. The church needs to wake up and realize that this is what Jesus said would happen. And when he said it would happen, it was that you might be prepared, not alarmed. When I, was, when I was young, as many of you know, I decided one day to go and have a war in the, in the park behind Caldors, BB guns and paintball guns. And I ended up getting shot in the head with a pellet gun. And I had blood everywhere in my face. And I went to my Uncle Daniel's house, Elder. He's sitting right there. And I went to him because I thought he wouldn't tell my dad. By the look on my face, you know it was a mistake. He sent me home. And by the time I drove from Dewey Street to Colorado, he had called my dad. I'm walking up the steps. My dad's walking down the steps. He wasn't alarmed because he already knew. He was watchful. And when he saw me, he took me to where I needed to go to get cosmetic surgery to get it removed. (laughs) 
The point that I'm making is that when you are told something in advance, you should not be alarmed or caught off guard, but you should be prepared to know and to understand what your place is. Back in the day, they would just say, Jesus is coming, get ready. What? You can't tell a Sunday school class that. Kids don't even understand what that means, especially if their barber's name is Jesus. He's coming to my house to cut my hair? What? You, you don't even know. You can't, you can't tell people that. you got to give them the full gospel of Jesus. And he said, this is how it would be in the last days. Listen to what Genesis 6.11 says. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh was corrupted in all its ways. Did you see that? It was fulfilled, filled with violence. Can I take a moment to tell you the most viral videos on social media are fight videos? Millions of likes and millions of shares. Have you, have you seen that people just have no more, no more type of restraint? They're just ungodly and ready to fight at the drop of a dime. People are being murdered left and right. Do you see this? Can I, can I, can I talk about police brutality? Can I, can I, the violence that is there? The fact that, that, that these terrorist groups are just killing thousands for no reason, driving through Afghanistan and driving through Iraq on the highways, literally just gunning people down. Have you seen those videos? They're all out there. Violence is filling the earth. And this is a sign of the end times. Because Jesus said it'll be like in the days of Noah, and this is a description of the days of Noah. He said it'll be like in the days of Noah. Christians across the world are being persecuted. In Sudan, in Iraq, and all these Muslim countries, Christians are being killed by the thousands. Are you hearing me, church? Violence filling the earth. We don't have to look far to see immorality and violence. They saturate the world. And this is a sign, a major sign of the end. The Bible says that when God looked down, he saw nothing but evil. And here's, here's the funny part. In part, in a small way, this also includes Noah. For Noah was not without sin. But because of his life, he would find favor with God. But it doesn't mean he was without sin. God saw that all flesh was corrupted, meaning the sin problem had affected all flesh. Immorality will be the normal thing in the end times. Immorality will be very, it'll be okay. And it's just like, why, what do you mean? When you talk about being righteous and being holy, people don't want to hear that no more. It's like, why? This is, we're having fun. Immorality will be the norm. Point number two, people will not heed God's warning. People will not heed God's warnings. They will not listen to God's warning. Here's 2 Peter 2, 5. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. What does that tell me? That Noah, while building this ark ordered by God, that he preached what was coming. 
Peter refers to him as a preacher of righteousness. It took Noah, we believe, approximately 100 years to build the ark. A hundred years. That means for a hundred years that Noah was telling people, listen, God told me there's a flood. That's why I'm building the ark. God told me there was judgment coming. You have to stop. You have to. A hundred years, he was unsuccessful in his ministry. Jesus said, I believe it's in Luke 17 and 18, that also the last days of the rapture would be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah where the angels were trying to pull the righteous people out and nobody else wanted to come. Lot had four daughters. Two were married, two were not. The two who were married stayed behind and died in the judgment. People didn't want to hear God's warning. People didn't want to know that God was coming. They did not want to do that. And Jesus says, it'll be just like that in the days of my my coming. It'll be just like that. That people will not want to hear about Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.3 declares in the last days people won't even put up with sound doctrine in churches. They don't want to hear about that. They want to hear seven steps to prosperity. They want to hear ten steps to a perfect happy life. How do I fix my marriage? How do I fix this and fix that? And that's all fine and that's all dandy. But Jesus said to be watchful. Be watchful. For his return is nearer than you might think. It's nearer than we might think. He said to be watchful. A hundred years, Noah, he must have been a really, a really good ark builder. He must have been a terrible preacher. Nobody got converted in a hundred years. Nobody, a hundred years, no one believed him. And here's what I believe happened. I, I believe maybe ten years in, some people said, yeah, yeah you're right. I, I'm going to turn for my life. But sometimes you make a promise to God and then you don't keep it. And then sometimes as time goes by, we don't believe it's going to actually happen. I'll put it to you in terms you might understand. It's like a single mom who's dealing with a deadbeat dad. And the dad says, the dad says, women, don't start giggling yet. The dad says, I'm going to come pick up the kids. And the kids get ready. And they're waiting for dad. And dad never comes. And you got to tell them, well, dad's not coming. Just, just go to bed. The next day, I'm coming. And dad never comes. And sometimes we think that God is like some of these earthly fathers who said he's coming but never coming. And let me tell you something. If he said it, you can bank on it. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus and... and, and It's only because of his mercy. It's only because of his, the Bible says, the Bible says this, that that in the last days, God will remove the restrainer. Meaning there is something holding back pure, unadulterated evil from entering the earth and flooding it. And I believe that that is the church, the Holy Spirit of God. And that when he raptures the church, he will pull the church out and there will be no restraint at all. And evil will flood in. The Bible talks perilous times in the time of the tribulation. The Bible talks about meteors hitting the earth. The Bible talks about stars falling from the skies. One third of the population of the earth will die. Are you hearing me? We don't want to be here for that. So when you hear about the rapture, you better get excited. Don't be honest, I want to live my life. Don't, I'm not going to live my life when comments falling down on people. No. 
what is your problem? No. And Jesus said that he will come. And, and when you're reading the word of God, don't confuse the rapture with the second coming. Because in the rapture, Jesus never touches down on the earth. The second coming in the book of Revelations, he comes to the Mount of Olives. So there's two different things there. Don't get confused. The rapture is when he comes for the church. A hundred years and no one came to God. And Jesus says they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And there's nothing wrong with marriage. And the whole church said amen. When it's done in the eyes of God the right way, but that's for another day. Amen. Marriage. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. I love to eat. My wife cooks great. So he's not saying, thank you, Hector. He's not saying, he's not, what he, this is what he's not saying. That I don't want you to eat, I don't want you to drink, I don't want you to be married, I don't want you to do anything else. Because some people teach that. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Here's my, here's my rule of thumb, and live by this. I'm going to live my life like he's coming in the next second, but I'm going to plan it like he ain't never coming. Because I, I told you before, and it's almost humorous, when I was a kid, I did not think I would see 16 because Jesus was coming. That's how much they hammered it in, just Jesus is coming. I did not think that I was going to graduate from high school. So you, you could imagine me walking across this very stage, graduate, that's where I graduated at, and I'm just like, man, I never thought I'd get here. You see me meet the girl of my dreams, I'm like, oh, man, I never thought I'd get here. Popped out a kid with my wife, I never thought I'd get here. Like, there's so much stuff happening I never thought because the way it was taught to me was stop your life, Jesus is coming. No. No, no, that's not the word of God. That's the word of religion. That's fear tactics. That's not God. Because while you're here, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have victory. God wants you to be blessed. That's the bottom line. But you have to live with watchfulness. We are called to maintain our watchfulness. Doesn't mean you stop living life, church. It means you, you stay prayerful. It means that God is, has to be first in your life. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest struggles you will face through tough times is keeping God at the center. Keeping God at the center of your life will be one of the hardest things you do. But we're called to maintain our watchfulness. It's apparent that many will reject God. They will reject his rule. They will reject his word. They will reject his ways. They will reject his lordship. They will reject God altogether. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Is that I don't, I don't think we're that far yet, and here's why. Because people are still being saved. It doesn't mean we're not close. Because he can come tomorrow. But people are still being saved. And people are still open to the gospel. But this shows me that there will come a time where people will not be open to the gospel. And there will come a time where people don't want to hear God. They don't want to hearken unto God's voice. Church, can I challenge you? Can I challenge you to be a preacher of the gospel? To be a preacher of righteousness? To declare that Jesus is coming? To declare it boldly and without fear and saying that God is here and God is going to do a great work in your life and God can redeem you? And God can we're not called to be fearful. We're called to be watchful. We're called to be like Noah, a preacher of righteousness. This is a picture of the condition of the world in the end times. Immorality will be everywhere. We see that. Violence will fill the earth. We see that. We see people giving in all that marriage life as usual. People unaware of what's happening. We see that. How many people are blinded by what's really happening in the world? 
not realizing how close we are to Jesus coming. And I want to challenge you, don't let the enemy strike fear in your heart. Because if you took the time this week and I challenge you, go ahead and do it and read the book of Revelations and read how and why and all the things are going to happen, you're going to be thanking God that he's going to spare you. But there's not all bad news. There's some good news. It'll be like in the days of Noah. What else happened in the days of Noah? Genesis chapter 6, and I'll close with this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Are you with me today, church? Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah, somebody say, but Noah. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not because I want you to get a reaction out of you. I want you to listen. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And what it doesn't say is this, is that Noah did something so great that God was happy with him. It doesn't say that. It says Noah found favor. And what I love about this is this word favor Are you here with me, church? This word favor is the interchangeable word for grace. It's grace. And if you know me, you know I'm a grace preacher. That grace is not what I can do, but what God has already done for me. Here's my third point. Grace will always deliver you. Grace will always deliver you. Always. And the Bible says that Noah, he found grace, favor in the eyes, in the eyes of Yahweh, in the eyes of Jehovah. He found grace. And maybe you don't even understand what that means. It means that God looked upon Noah. And although Noah wasn't perfect, God saw hope for mankind. And God said, I'm such a good God that I will bring judgment and mercy at the same time. That's Jesus, grace and truth. John chapter 1, he says that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. And you can't give grace without truth. If you give grace without truth, it's like giving somebody an empty prescription. And if you give them truth without grace, it's like giving them a bottle with the wrong prescription. Because that's called legalism. Here's the fact of the matter. He said the the, the world is, is corrupt. It's wicked. I have to judge it. I have to. That's the truth. But grace says that I have to save. And while I save someone, I'll also administer grace and judgment together. And you might say, well, pastor, what does that mean for me? My prayer that I prayed this week after reading that verse is that in the midst of this sick, twisted, sinful, hurting, dying, and violent world, that Abba Father looks down on us, on your life, on my life, and he says, And the world was wicked. And God saw that all flesh was corrupt 
But Lewis found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Jamie found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Carlos, but Jesenia, but Diana, but Carmen, that you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is why you shouldn't be fearful of the rapture or the end times. Because if you find mercy and you find grace at the feet of Jesus, salvation belongs to you. It is an assurance. And grace always delivers. Jesus said, it'll be like in the days of Noah. It'll be like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And on both those occasions, the righteous were removed. And judgment came. The angels went and got Lot out. He was unscathed. He was untouched. Completely. <laughs> they lost everything they had. Saved their lives. And that's a picture of the rapture. All our earthly belongings being left behind. But eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life with Jesus. Does it get any better than that? And it's not that you should fear that you should be faithful because fear will drive you to unfaithfulness but grace it drives you to Jesus and you may say well pastor what is grace by definition it's called unmerited favor meaning you don't deserve it but God gave it you couldn't earn it but God gave it you don't qualify but God gave it you could have never done it on your own but God did it for you. You were never going to be good enough, but God still gave it to you. You were never going to do it. And how do you receive grace? Today you can receive grace by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For the Bible says that all who call upon him will be saved. And here's what happens when you accept Christ, church. Because I feel there's some people here, you want to accept him today. Here's what happens. That God takes the perfect life of Christ Right? He takes that robe of righteousness, that robe, that perfect life of Christ that you and I could never live. He was sinless. He was faultless. He was blameless. He was perfect. We could never do it. And the Bible says that God takes that life, right? He takes that life and he puts it onto you. And when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's why the prophet Isaiah says that he's taken your sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And you're still breaking your head about what you've done in your life. And God's like, what are you talking about? God has selective amnesia. He selected your sin to forget. That's God. That's mercy. That's grace. Let me put it to you like this. All of us have an account with God. And in that account, there's much sin. There's much evil that you've done. Small or great. Lies, treachery, fornication, sexual immorality, all types of sin. I could name them for days. Gluttony, slothfulness, laziness, all those things. It's in your account. But God takes Jesus and he takes all of your debt and all of your bills and all of, and he puts them into the account of Jesus. And he takes Jesus' perfect credit score <laughs> and he gives it to you. 
And every time he looks at you, he sees Jesus. And the Bible calls it, he gave you the power to be a son of God. That's God. He would never send judgment without a door of escape. And some of you haven't walked through the door of escape. And that door was over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on that cross. That's the doorway right there. That you can walk through that, walk in that, and your life will never be the same. Church, we're called to be watchful. What does that mean to be watchful? It means to stand on the watchtower of the city gates and to say, everyone, you should know that Jesus is coming. For the watchmen, when the enemy came, they would stand and say, the enemy is upon us. And as a watchman, you should watch and warn those around you, your friends, your family, and bring them to the cross of Jesus that they might experience the grace and the mercy of God. I'm going to say it again. Thank you, Al. And you should bring them to the cross of Jesus that they might experience the mercy and the grace of God. Because in that is salvation. In that is freedom. There's truth in that. Would you stand to your feet if you're physically able? I want to ask you to do me a favor. And that is two things. I want you to forget who's around you. Absolutely forget everyone you came with. If you're married, you're single for the next 30 seconds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I want you to forget people around you, and I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes and focus in on Christ. Because here's what I want to do. I want to be sure that every person who walks out this place today has the opportunity to say, I am in his grace. I am in his mercy. I know Jesus. He is my Savior. I believe in him. I've accepted him. He's coming, and I want to go with him. We are living in perilous times. We are living in what we call the last days, church. It's no joke. The end is near. Today's your day. Today's your day. With every head bowed, every eye closed, come on, if that's you, you want Jesus. If you've never made that prayer, maybe you've made the prayer, but you've walked away from your commitment to Jesus Christ, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can. Thank you.